called Classic Interview number 40. I'm here with Wendigo. Fucking thank you for joining me. If you guys watch, you can follow us on Instagram at KULT Classic Official. You can follow us on Twitter at KULT Classic OFF because Twitter's a hoe and won't let us put the issue. And you can follow us on TikTok at KULT Classic Official. Check out our merch. I'm wearing the, wearing the dice hoodie. Go get, go get swagged out at KULTClassicOfficial.com. And this is interview number 40. We haven't done a podcast in a little over a year now. Your hair has grown back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Fuck yeah. Yeah, I, I think I shaved it also like one time even in between. I think it's grown back twice now. That's how long it's been. Damn, so your your hair grows fucking quick. I you guess grow so. You full head of hair fucking fast. I mean, time flew by. Last time we spoke, the world was still like the world. Yeah, bro. How How is fucking, how is New York right now with all this shit going on? To be honest, I haven't been in New York that much this year. I was back in New York City like a bit over a month ago. And where I'm currently living at, it was fine. Um, Things are pretty open there, but I definitely do think that it's probably just going to like revert back to where it was at like six months ago. It seems like this COVID thing is coming back and I'm not going to make any kind of predictions. I'm not a scientist or a pandemicologist, yeah. but it definitely does seem like, you know, like I was, I had a flight back home to New York a few days ago that I decided not to take because I would have had to quarantine in a hotel in New Jersey for 14 days. So it does seem like things are going to get kind of hectic again. And uh, but I don't know, New York for the most part, like most people that I live around don't seem to care too much and are trying to just like chilling. Yeah. It's you- different. It's not what it used to be, but it's definitely like, probably like, of the places that I've been this year, like one of the more open and like good spots. I was upstate most of this year. I was up in the country just like doing like redneck shit. I escaped the city and was just, you know, trying to like chill and lay low. And it, yeah, it's, it's been mostly fine. Yeah, you guys decided there was just a fucking tornado in like New York. Yeah. Or some shit. I remember I saw that. I'm like, yo, the world is fucking ending, bro. <laughs> There's yeah, a pandemic, global warming. There's a fucking tornado in New York. Like we're, we're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's crazy. I'm just crossing my fingers that hopefully before I die, you know, I can get this big May back and call it a day. That's that's how you know you made it in music. Speaking yeah, of it's the May back, you got the you got the Rick Ross feature on SoundCloud. I saw. Oh yeah, no, nah, damn, t- totally real feature, totally not a remix of another. Definitely song. not a remix. Yeah, it, totally it, real it feature. Might, just just a few of the same words, but like definitely a real feature from yeah. Rick Ross. How was he yeah, in the studio with Rick Ross? Was he eating lemon I, pepper wings? Um, you already know we had like 64 boxes of lemon pepper wings just plowing through and we were just talking about the old days in Miami back when me and him were just out in the streets with the booby boys, you know, just doing all <laughs> types of fun stuff. Um, you know, that's my guy. We go way back. So, it's, you know, it's always good with Mr. Ross. Fucking trapping hard. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, um, so shit. I mean, since the last time we talked, also, Spider Gang has become probably, arguably, the most relevant group in the underground music scene right now. Probably on the internet. Uh, how, and you said you haven't even been in New York much. So how, yeah. is, how has your life changed over the past year? You've been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of different beat placements. I saw you work with Craig Zed recently. Yeah, Um. Life this year, you know, it's like interesting because I would say it's kind of like bipolar where a lot of stuff has been happening. Like in a lot of things, just like for my career, for everyone else in Spider Games career, like the careers have been doing really good and we've all been experiencing a lot of growth. But 
it did happen this year. So most of like the actual ways we could have gone out and like expressed what's going on are just not really available. Like I personally haven't done a show in maybe like eight or nine months. Most people in Spider Gang are probably in the same position, right? Not since March, but any of us have done shows. A few of us have. Like Flocko did a show recently. I think Black did a show. But outside of that, everyone's kind of just been like cooped up. So it's been like a good thing and a bad thing. It's been a very good year in some aspects because with all that going on, it's nice to have a year where I've been able to just like sit at home and just like work on my stuff and not really have any kind of like obligations to like showing myself in the world. So that's been great for just being able to like really just like cook up and go crazy. But at the same time, I love going out and doing shows and, you know, like just taking part in the community. Like I love being like a, just a figure in public. I love doing that. I love just, you know, puffing yeah. out the chest and letting myself be known and shit. So like, I definitely miss that aspect. Like last year, like right before COVID hit, we had a show that was in New York City at a living gallery. That was like our best spider gang show. And that really like, set the stage i feel like and that was prior to like haha blowing up and just like a lot of things that have happened to spider gang over the last like nine months so i do wish we would be able to like actually tangibly see that more in public but this is like the only time i've ever had in my life where i've literally just had like nine months to just like work on me and like not yeah. really have to engage with a lot of shit so you know it's, it's a mixed bag i would say like the success of Spider Gang is definitely being felt for us. We all, like, you know, are doing better. We're all, like, more secure in our lives and shit. But I know all of us are definitely antsy to get out and just, like, do shit. So you feel like kind of despite the huge, you know, amount of growth you've had over the past year, you feel like COVID maybe maybe hindered that just a little bit. Because, you know, being out there, being able to shake hands and see see hella heads at the show and shit, like, yeah, I think it's that's definitely, fun. like, that's definitely a huge point in, in growing because, you know, someone going out to a show can make the difference between just a, like, you know what I mean? A, a kind of fan and like a hardcore fan. Yeah. There's a big distinction see. between like internet clout and like public clout. And um, I guess not even necessarily like clout, but just like presence, like being really big on the internet doesn't necessarily mean like you're going to be able to pull a crowd or some shit. So being able to just like show yourself in both places is very important. So is that kind of the plan for next year for, for you guys? I don't know if you guys, like, fully coordinate as, like, a group or not, but is that yeah. kind of, like, the plan next year for you guys? Whenever things start opening up, I yeah, there's tons of things that are just in the works that we would like to do. But that's all just, like, contingent on, you know, when the world is, like, ready for that. And not, not even, like, the world ready for the music, but just, like, literally when the world is, like, ready to open up and just become, like, a place where, you know, shows can happen and all that. Yeah. No, that's facts. So hope, hopefully next year. Yeah, I, I would like, it looks like it'd be next year. But, you know, like I said, I'm not a pandemicologist. I'm not going to try to, like, who knows how long this is going to last. No, facts, bro. And then I, I heard some shit recently about when, when Biden, and I'm not going to try and get politics and all that shit. I fucking hate politics. They both suck. But um, Biden getting in office and shit wants to shut everything back down and shit for a period of time. And that, I mean, that's not even till what, end of January so like yeah. we're gonna be riding this out for a while you know unfortunately so is there like with spider gang and shit now that you guys have been going you guys have added more members to the group and stuff like that is there really like a type of like organization like do you guys have like a plan as a group or are you guys just kind of all kind of affiliated doing your own thing um it's kind of like fluid i would say for the most part like it, actually, I would just split it into two parts. Like, it's it's yes to both of those things. Like, everyone is doing their own thing, and everyone is always going to be, you know, like, right now, for example, like, there's probably, like, 
six or seven albums being worked on. I'm not going to say from who or any of that, but there's probably like seven albums that are just being like worked on by individuals in Spider Gang. But with all that going on as well, there's like, there's lots of posse tracks being worked on. And so it's just like lots of like one-off things going on all the time. I think that like the, as a group, we don't necessarily try to like plan things too heavy in the future just because things are always going to spontaneously like end or begin. And that's just like kind of part of the game. But um, definitely to a large degree, like a good percentage of the group is currently like just working together on a lot of stuff. It's super like here and there, like some things will happen this way. Those will things will happen another way. And overall, I think the game plan is that like everyone just kind of seamlessly like will do their thing and work with each other. A lot of people, I think, in the group are like kind of meant to complement the whole group. We're more focused on like, I think being a group that has like a bunch of people that can all be cool together than just like cool themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, it's both. I, everybody, you know, there's, there's not like a, it's not like we have some kind of like massive like book of like plans that's going to last yeah. like five years, but we do have a, a lot of things that are going to be like worked out that we'll have going on for like the next few months to like the next year for sure. Word, word. So fucking, um, do you think with the success of, of Darky and stuff, cause like, like he, he's surpassed artists. He was like, you know, looking up to as far as popularity goes and as far as where his music is reached at this point, do you feel like with the success of him and being probably the, you know, one of the biggest artists to not reach the mainstream level yet, do you think with the success of that, that it's going to be easier to push other spider gang members? Um, like, yes and no. I do definitely think that uh, him being where he's at is like an incredible thing. And that's going to be like, and I think for everyone that wants to do things with him, that's great. But I do know that a lot of people in spider gang right now, I think like as a group, everyone's definitely thinking about that. And like heads are thinking, oh, you know, we do have one person in the group that is like much bigger than the rest. So what can we all do to just like, you know, knock it like washed out. And that's something that, you know, me personally, I don't think about that as much because my position in the group is different. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm like, even though I rap a little bit, I'm a producer. So, and I produce for basically everyone in the group. So I'm not super concerned about that, but I definitely do think about it where it's like, if you look at the history of a lot of groups that have like been in rap or like super groups in rock there's a lot of like you know think situations like this that does happen a lot where like you know look at like odd future asap mob or wu-tang or like nwa like literally like any group like that has more than like three people in it like oftentimes like one or two people will like rise of out of the ranks of that group and will achieve like crazy stardom when the rest of them aren't actually always able to do it and the reasoning for that i'm not going to comment on i don't i'm not i don't know that's all. That's kind of like individual per group, but definitely, like I know me personally, I'm thinking about that. I'm just thinking about like trying to make sure that like as the producer, as like the support role in the group, I want to make sure that everybody can have their moment and like not and no one's gonna be like a side character. Like, I want everyone to be like like a protagonist in the story, yeah. not just like not. You know, I don't want to have a bunch of like like you know little fucking supporting roles running around. Like I want to make sure everyone can shine. No, that's facts. So like, cause you I mean if you look at it like. Like, because Darkie's where he's at right now. Dillinger could very easily, you know what I mean, hit that level. If we are looking at who is kind of, like, getting up there with him, I'd say, like, you know, Dillinger could very easily be at that level, like, next year. You know, Flacco is coming up. You got Edison. You got Black. Uh, Black, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you got Brahmane. And, 
like shit I, i'm not gonna just sit here and name everybody you guys got a lot of members but um hmm. it could very easily you know go that way with like because i mean think about it fucking bill gates at a fucking tiktok <laughs> yeah <laughs> to haha <laughs> like you guys have reached an insane amount of people and it's not even just like in the united states anymore shit is worldwide mm-hmm. it's definitely worldwide um what was your reaction when you first saw uh the haha tiktok honestly it was like one of like the weirdest things i've ever experienced in my life because I, when i first saw haha doing what it was doing like I didn't see Haha when it had like a thousand TikToks, like when it had a hundred. Like I just one day Darky just calls me and he's like, "Go on TikTok and look up Haha," and I click on it and there was like six hundred thousand videos have been made to it, and it was all the people doing like the weird little like you know trend or like they have, they do like the makeup and they put on the face or whatever. And so in my, I don't know what it was like. I really don't know why that happens. And um, in my personal opinion, you could ask Darky, you could ask really like me or him about this. Both of us don't really like that song. That's like not a song that we figured was going to become our biggest song. And like at first we were almost kind of panicked. We were like, fuck, like this song sucks. Like, why is this our biggest song now? Like, what the fuck? And then, you know, it was just like a trippy experience. It was just weird. Like just seeing all these people that, you know, and like when I saw it, like I think the reason why I saw it was because James Charles had made a TikTok to it. So there's like seeing like celebrities that have nothing to do with music. They have nothing to do with like any of the shit we go that we're doing, have nothing to do with like any of our values, just like making dance videos to this song. So it was just trippy. It was like for like weeks, it just like every day you'd go on TikTok and there's like a hundred thousand more, 200,000 more until it got to like 6 million videos have been made with it. And um, yeah, it, it was like, in the moment like kind of weird and like it, you know it was cool and i don't, I don't want to sound like spoiled for saying it like was like a bad thing but like we had, initially our reaction to it was just like what the fuck is happening like we were so shocked and like just put back by it that we couldn't really enjoy it but then like looking back at it like you know that has changed my life a lot so like i'm very like grateful that that happened yeah that is that's a huge song like i was really this you know what i mean poking around the internet you know i do this on board and shit uh, especially before I do interviews, I go, you know what I mean? I'll check artists' social media profiles and shit. And I was just noticing that I, I didn't even realize Ha Ha was the, big, the biggest song you, you guys did until recently. And it's just, it never, it never really is, you know what I mean, the songs that you expect. I hear a lot of artists and a lot of producers say that, like, we didn't expect this song to be, like, the biggest one. But it's always, like, the least expected ones. Um, fucking... It, you as a producer, who have you gone on to work with with uh, since the success you've been having? I know you've gone on to work with Craig Zen. Yeah, I mean, I've been keeping it. I've been honestly trying to make an effort to pretty like pretty concise and just like work mostly with people in Spider Gang. Um, there are some things that are coming that I'm not going to comment on, but definitely like you know some funny little mischievous things will happen in the next few months. But um. Yeah, mainly just been trying to work on with like shit with my friends. Um, I definitely do think that a lot of the beats that I happen to make complement certain people. Like I think they complement like the Spider Gang aesthetic very well. But it's it can be harder for me to get like a placement. Like some like my favorite rappers. Like one of my favorite rappers is like Gucci. I love Gucci. I love Rick Ross. Some of my favorite rappers. Rick Ross not so much on this part, but like with like someone like Gucci. Like I love Gucci. I would love to get a Gucci placement, but like. I generally don't make beats that like someone like Gucci would just like want to hit. At least I don't think I do. 
like most of the beats that I make, I feel like are more tailored towards just like weird, like zany, like, like cartoon rappers. So yeah, mostly just people in Spider Gang. And um, outside of that, yeah, Craig Zen happened, um, you know, did this song with Matt Ox that came out like a few weeks ago. And then that's basically like all I'll say for now. Yeah, I did see the Mad Auction. That was very interesting. I, I yeah. can't it's it was weird because like I didn't expect it, but I I can't say I was surprised at the same time. Like it made sense, but I I like wasn't expecting it, if you mm. if you know what I mean. No, definitely. Um so you feel like that's kinda like your main role right now, because you said kinda like being the support of, of Spider Gang, you know what I mean? Kinda helping keep things together and producing. So you're more or less focused on Spider Gang. And trying to be the producer who's out here chasing placements, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I do find that it's like, I feel very lucky just to have found these people like so early on in my career, because I do genuinely think it's like having done songs with artists that are like signed to labels and who are like, like I know this is that I noticed, for example. Like when I'll go home to my hometown, and this is no shade in my hometown, it's something I just notice. Like, like a song like Haha, which has like. 15 million plus streams on it at this point like people aren't gonna necessarily comment on that like it's not like 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 people that i knew growing up aren't gonna say anything about that or like when i produce a song for darky who's like a big artist now like no one's gonna say shit about that but then if i make a song with like craig zen or like keith ape people are like oh we got a song with craig zen or keith ape and it's like personally and this is also just like how i feel about it i prefer working with darky like he's my, he's my favorite person to work with like so it's like, I noticed that people around me will like ask more questions about these other artists that are like people that I didn't actually come up with who aren't so like, you know, people that like I fuck with, but aren't just like the, my closest compatriots. So I find that I'm not super interested in just like working or getting placements with like really big artists. If that means like, if I had to pick one or the other, I'm picking spider gang for sure. Like there's no question about that. And that is a question that I've had to like, you know, that I have been asked by people like in the industry before it's like, Hey, you need to make a choice if you want to work with us. You gotta pick us or Spider Gang. And I find that absolutely absurd that I've been asked that even before. You've been like, asked that before? Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Wow. Yeah, that that all ties more into just like record label things. And um, yeah, there's been labels that I've, you know, like had short little conversations with that will, you know, that kind of always put me off just because, you know, so so and so A and R is like, hey, we like your beats. Let's, you know, send me some stuff and I'll pass it along and then I'll do that. And like a week later, they're just like, oh, yeah, these are really cool. I want to work with you more. But like, we don't like the brand that you're associated with. So like, you can either like work with us or do your thing. And it's like, I just find that offensive to even like tell me that. Like, it's yeah, honestly, like, that's, it's, it's fucked up. That's that's completely absurd. I've been talking with a bunch of other producers and everybody does kind of have their own their own route in this shit. And I've kind of noticed the best route to take is directly working with the artist. You know what I mean? Coming up kind of with the artist and that's that's the the road you're going down that's kind of what i a lot of advice i give to other producers when you know what i mean they ask me you know shit like that i always say you know what i mean more or less focus on trying to come up and work with somebody mm. develop a sound then try to chase everything like that but yeah i could fucking rant here about that shit all day but i'm just like no, that's hey. how i feel about it too like yeah. i spent more years in my life being in bands than producing beats like i spent like five six years just like playing guitar so i'm just more used to like the approach of like being in a band and like just being in a group of people than just being like some lone wolf dude who just like makes beats and sells them or like i prefer being in the group environment and being in that dynamic no that's facts and it definitely makes for more creative music mm. 
create more creative music and better music. Like I feel like the music is just is just better when you put two people who are used to working with each other and want to work with each other. Absolutely. How has your sound developed since the last time we talked? Cause I know you were heavy on, you know what I mean? Heavy on sampling and stuff like that. You kind of, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, heavy, heavy. You had a very fucking distinctive. That's a Wendigo sound. You still do, but how do you plan on tweaking that sound in the future? Well, I've honestly had to hit like a pretty full one to 80 since then. Um, since Spider King has gotten bigger, I personally have adopted a policy where I don't sample at all anymore. Just because I'm not interested in getting sued and dealing with that and having to spend money on songs. I'm just, I'd rather just make the shit myself. Um, being in upstate New York for a lot of this year, I spent like eight months just in the woods, basically. That definitely had like an impact on me. And a, a lot of the shit that you will hear on the upcoming projects of Spider Gang members, I think will kind of just give you like a sense of like the answer to that question. But I've been much more focused on like playing guitar again. So almost like every beat that I make nowadays will have a guitar in it. Even if it's like, even if it's like not like the main thing, like I'll just add guitars to fucking everything now. Um, I've been trying to get just better at like, you know, I feel like I had gotten to a point where I was very comfortable making like super heavy distorted beats and that was like fun, but I was getting bored of that like beginning of this year. So I've been more focused, I think, the last like nine, 10 months on just making like more like, I guess, like musical things, just like beats that are more just like rooted in like shit outside of rap or outside of like the SoundCloud sound, shit more just like rooted in rock or like jazz or just like, I, I just, I don't know, I'm an old Ted. I love old rap. And I always have like wanted to just like get better at making more just like wavy, like cool, like just like classic instrumentals and um whether that's like boom bap or g-funk or just like anything in between like even just like genreless shit i've just been more focused on i guess making things that are like instead of relying on like a really fat 808 to be hard it just relies on like really like cool like melodies and just like cool like musical ideas to be hard yeah that's in that music kind of has you know more longevity to it yeah we're kind of like, talking i just enjoy it more yeah if we're talking in the realm of spider gang like songs like Electric Dandelions, you know, Banana Pie, Composition 11. I know Composition 11 was Cubensis. Um, but songs like that, longevity-wise, tend to sit with people longer than songs like Holocaust. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that I just, like, personally prefer, like, I think it's, like, usually what I'll listen to, like, nowadays. Like, there was a period in my life where I was listening to SoundCloud rap exclusively for, like, a, you know, like a year and a half. But now I just find myself like never even really on there. I just listen to like like shit I just like you still fuck with or just like new things on Spotify. Like I feel like my tastes just personally have just changed a lot in the last like year and a half. So I've just been trying like to reflect that in the shit that I'm making. So definitely changing your environment and going upstate New York is is heavily influenced. Yeah, just being around like a bunch of trees and like rivers and like actually like nature, just being outside, like catching bass. Like honestly, catching a bass changed my whole perspective on music really yeah Damn like shooting like like shooting guns like just like being outside like shooting guns catching bass like hiking like things like that just like made me realize like like the 808 shit is like cool but i want to like make like what i actually enjoy in life is much more grounded in like just like nature and reality and i feel like that 808 shit is kind of like it's just very robotic a lot of the time i'm not trying to just like make super like robot music all the time i want to make more just like human music damn that's 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 crazy yeah catching a bass is a lot different than catching a crackhead huh yeah no a whole, whole, whole different vibe and honestly like way harder 
what brought you from Brooklyn to going upstate? Like, did you mean, was it purposely like you wanted to change your environment? Like, no, nah, not at all. When, when COVID, it was, uh, there was this one morning where I was with Dillinger and my other roommate, Doc Laundry, And this was like right when the NBA got canceled. It like had just been like, you know, shut off for the season. And I woke up and Dillinger was just panicked. He's like, they, they canceled the NBA. Like, what the fuck am I like? What's going on? That's when we kind of knew like this shit got serious. And um, literally like that morning, we were so concerned about the NBA getting canceled. We all just like, decided to just like go home. And we thought the show would like last a few weeks and just blow over. But then of course this became just like COVID and it lasted months. So I just had to go on upstate. That's where I'm from. So I went home like to my mom's house and I just lived there. And I was thinking I'd just be there for like a few weeks and then a few weeks became a few months. And then a few months just became most of the year. So it wasn't really intentional, but after like a little while of being there, I just like grew like an appreciation for it again. So what you said, catching a bass change perspective on music. I know you said we'll probably find that out when we hear some of the newer stuff that's released down the road. Yeah, there, there, there are some songs you can like, like that Rick Ross song. If, if you go on my SoundCloud, like shit that I've been dropping personally, like outside like the Matt Ox song, like there's a song I have called Bondage Song. Um, like that Rick Ross song, those are kind of like, like, like the proto ideas, like the new sound. And I still love making ignorant shit. And like in the past like few weeks where I, I've been around people in Spider Gang a lot in the last few weeks, and um, we've been making a lot of just like, cracked out ridiculous spider gang bullshit as well but um yeah i think that uh just um, like i guess how i would describe like the sound that i'm just going for yeah it's more just like spacey and trippy and weird and, and more and like i feel like i also kind of realize as well like you can only just go so far with like making really hard beats you can only like like this is that mk ultra said like the other day that um one reason he thinks that like a lot of like metal music got like worse over time is because a lot of people in like the community of metal just wanted to keep like pushing the boundary of hardness like how do i break the wall of being hard but then you take like a band like metallica like metallica is probably still considered like the greatest metal band of all time despite putting out like a lot of bad albums in the last like decade but they still have such a high stature because a lot of their music that they made when like in their peak is so diverse like they have really mm-hmm. hard shit that stands the test of time but they also have these beautiful songs like like Orion, like the Call of Cthulhu and just like, you know, these beautiful moments on songs that just like make it so like their music has more like depth to it, has more layers to it. And the sound clash, I feel like just to me, at least as a listener, stopped having layers to it. So like as somebody takes part in it, I wanted to just like step back and like think like, well, what can I add to this that's going to actually bring out a new thing as opposed to just like deriding off what's already here. So what do you think is the next... Um the next step in the music industry from SoundCloud, because we're kind of getting out of the SoundCloud era, the streaming era and the SoundCloud era kind of blending right now. What do you think is kind of next for artists? Because we're going to, we're going to stop seeing a lot of people come up directly off SoundCloud. Yeah. I honestly have no idea. Like, I think that that's just going to happen. It's going to be some shit that like, it probably is already happening right now, whatever it is probably already going on. And we might even already be taking part in it, but I don't, I'm not even going to like make a judgment call because I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's probably happening right now. I just haven't like pinpointed it yet. Yeah. Has your process for making beats changed? You said you don't sample as much. You said you add guitar pretty much to everything. Yeah. How has that that beat making process changed for you? It, it you know it changes like even like weekly. Like I find that um, it's it's like it's kind of like an abstract question because there's a lot of times where I will kind of get in like I feel like every few weeks or so. I'll get into like the groove of making like a certain two or three things and I'll just like figure that out. 
and then I'll just like move on. So like, for example, like there's, there's like a portion of time, like when I went back to Brooklyn like a month ago, I was making a lot of beats that just were like really high tempo, like crazy, like Eddie Van Halen, like guitar melodies over like 808s and shit. And now, and so like I was doing that like for a week and then like a week later I was back to just making like boom bat beats. I find that like my process nowadays has changed more. It's like not necessarily directly like how I'm actually making the beats. Like I still do shit mostly the same way, but um, you know, I've just learned new shit. But I definitely think that I'm I'm more interested in like variety now. Like a year ago, I would have just sat down and made like three hard ass like crunchy beats and been cool with that. But now I just prefer like you know moving around and just like floating about a few different styles at any given time and just trying those till I'm like sort of done with them and then just moving on some other shit. The last time we talked, you said your process was pretty much just um, waking up, smoking a shit ton of weed, listening to music for about an hour, and then jumping in and usually sampling. So you kind of yeah. just like gone beyond that now and it's just kind of like however it comes together it comes together. yeah I don't, I don't really do any of that anymore i don't even really smoke weed that much anymore like uh like you know usually like i, I do the part where i'll wake and listen to music but yeah i don't really like i don't that process back then was just like different and yeah not being able to sample at first was like a hindrance and i was like you know that was like a a thing i wasn't looking forward to but like now that i've just like been doing that for a while i almost like can't even imagine going back to that yeah, you feel like you have more, a lot more creative control. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely and just enjoy, like, if it feels more like actually songwriting. It feels more, instead of just, like, making a beat, I just, like, take some other shit. And I, no, no, I love the art of sampling. Like, I think it is one of the most, like, respectable things as a producer is, like, is seeing someone take a sample and just, like, icing that shit out and making it super cool. But I do really enjoy the process of just, like, songwriting, right? Like, picking up a guitar and just, like, kind of fucking around with it for a little bit. So I have, like, a melody, like, a chord progression. It's kind of like, it sort of brought me back to a point where, um, like, I've gotten more used to just, like, looking at beats in a, like, in a different way, where a year ago, I'd look at a beat, and it's like, okay, I'll find this sample, and I'll just, like, work on that, and, like, add shit on top of it, but now I have to look at it more like, well, now I have, like, I don't have anything to add on to it, it's like, I just start with nothing, that I have to create all of it, and so I, it's more, it gives you some more freedom, but it's also, like, a sampling i guess the way that i saw it was like a more of like a way you can generate really cool noises like super easily um but now i just have to do that shit myself so there's, there's a bit more like thought that has to go into it but i like that aspect of it so you feel like having all that experience of bands and guitars definitely has bands and guitars and even sampling and making beats has kind of all came together now and enabled yeah. you to be able to create music like you are at the moment yeah and um no if, if i didn't know um guitar like if i hadn't if i hadn't learned guitar prior and this i think even applies to back when i was sam if i hadn't learned how to play guitar back in the day um i don't think i would have been able to learn how to make beats like fast i think i, I would probably right now like still be like struggling crazy no that's facts because definitely like looking back on it like piano definitely helped me a shit ton because i started making beats without any knowledge of any music and then piano i learned piano like took a year of piano lessons and that shit just like brought everything together so do you you have any plans on learning any other instruments? Or are you yeah. just kind of sticking with guitar? Like, uh, sort of. I do want to get better at playing keys because um, that's a good thing to know how to make beats. But I think the main thing that I'm really trying to learn is, like, I want to learn how to play bass guitar better, which, you know, it's very much related to playing guitar. Like, they follow, like, the same music theory. They, they, you know, it's, like, the same, like, construct, basically. But I just want to get better at my technique with that. But honestly, like, not so much. Like, I think I do want to just 
like I, I don't know i just grew up really on guitar music I, like my favorite fucking musician is eddie van halen like rest in peace and um and i and when he died actually it had me thinking where it's like you know that man at least to me like he innovated and did so much crazy shit that has inspired me you know for all of my life and i almost feel like obligated to just like trying to do that for kids and shit like i feel obligated to just like trying to you know get to that level because ultimately it's like i think that like the guitar is such a cool and like expressive and like fun instrument and um and uh yeah i don't know it's just like i really want to have that tradition not die like i want to see that art just survive so yeah i'm just gonna keep doing guitar mainly and making beats and it definitely shows when you guys do when you do live performances, I know it's been a while because you go crazy with the guitars at the show. Thank you. They, um, whoever's performing on stage definitely gives you the, the moment to kind of shine on the guitar. I've seen you throwing solos and I've seen everybody around you with their phones out. You know what I mean? Mm. Fucking tagging you and shit, playing guitar, just ripping that shit. So it's a spider gang live performance is, is definitely different. And you definitely bring that aspect to it. So that's something that I definitely you know respect about you as a musician it, it was what i did one time i did see you perform in person with the guitar that was that was something else man i will say you go to a lot of underground shows and you don't you don't see shit like that yeah and it's like i feel like that it that's actually like, like probably one of like the main things that i am concerned about with music is that i do think that music right now is great but like for me as a listener i think there is like a lack of just like raw fucking like classic music if that makes sense yeah because everybody it's like with soundcloud and shit and the internet really expanding it's it's giving everybody the chance to make music and that is a, that's a double-edged sword yeah hold on uh i have a, a guest speaker who wants to just say a quick word let me just get, <laughs> get him on the line Fuck hey you. what's up bro <laughs> <laughs> Yo, really quick, what the fuck was the, the song after Colossal Conflict that you tweeted? Um, I know one of them was like fucking super skirmish. Um, I, I gotta go find this. It was this. like intense insurrection or something. Yeah, I, I gotta go find this tweet. Yeah, whatever, nigga. Who are you doing an interview with? <laughs> I'm here with Mr. Bobby D. So shout out Bob Dizzle. Shout out Bob Dizzle. Hey, what's good, right, bro? All right, yeah, yeah, I'll see you soon, bro. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck but yeah. um yeah yeah we're, i just yeah i think that i just want to see like more you know like people like, i don't know i just like i just love see, like i and it, it is like there's no reason for it because it, it is like it's just anything else but like something about just seeing someone like playing an instrument just like that makes me like more inspired i feel like i just like as like a show experience like when i i saw kanye live one time and um Mike Dean played a guitar solo and like a synth solo. And I was like, damn, like, that's like the coolest shit. Like when you go to most rap shows, like dudes are just like rapping and jumping around and shit. And that's cool. But like, it's lit to just like have shit. Here's a Brumman God. So I had a Bobby D Brumman. <laughs> oh, what's good, Bobby? Yeah, so I'm doing, doing an interview right now. What's up? Well, there's a new 6ix9ine documentary. So there's a documentary on Hulu. It's called 6ix9ine, the saga of Danny Hernandez. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll watch that. <laughs> all right. All right, bro, I'll talk to you later. All right, peace out. See y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just, like, I, I grew up on that shit. I just want to see more of that. I think that shit's just, like, good for the world. I genuinely think, and I've been, um, 
feeling this way lately where it's like i've been jamming with like people around here like especially with, like mk and like dark we're all like playing instruments together now and just like playing instruments such like a healthy thing there's something that that's like so like based about that shit when you're just like just playing music with your friends there's not like any words or or there's not really any kind of like like fucking rap shit going on it's just a bunch of heads just like playing guitars and bongos and shit in a room like like I did shrooms the other night and we were just like playing instruments and that sh- I felt like I was like a fucking like deity. Like I feel like music just like music just brings like this energy out of people. Like actually like playing an instrument and like learning how to do that. It's like a martial art. It just like kind of like nice. centers you. It just like I think like that's like an art that it's not like dead. It's not like fully dying. But I do just think like in like the world of like a lot of like music right now, it's just like not represented enough creating music with actual instruments and being able to play an instrument it's a more like you said it's a martial art it takes years of discipline mm-hmm. it's a lot different than um you know i mean these these artists who are just grabbing beats off the internet that kind of sound like something they heard on the radio or something else they heard on soundcloud and kind of copying that style it's a yeah, lot it's a lot different it's also like a much different, like especially like in like the big, like the beat making like analogy where it's like there's like a much different process to things where when you're making a big, I, you know, you can't like really like jam making a beat. Like you can't, like people don't really just like sit down and just like open up Ableton or some shit and just like play melodies. Like some people might do that, but like when you're making a beat, you're, you're like you're trying to build like a finished product. That's kind of the idea. Like you start with something and then you make it finished and you give it to someone else. But when you like, if you know how to play drums or how to play piano or guitar, you can just sit down with a bunch of other musicians and just play some music that's not going to go anywhere. It's just like you're just you're just like making noise in the moment, and knowing how to do that and just like how to like take part in like that kind of environment. I feel like not only is it like very therapeutic, but I feel like that just like enhances when you make the beats. Cause like there's been times like where me and MK are playing some shit or just jamming. And then we're like, Oh, that's a cool idea. Let's go make that into a beat. And then we, we, we happen to make some like the weirdest beats we've ever made just because like, we just happen to like, they just like get into that groove while like playing music. And, like you, you find yourself like just having ideas you wouldn't normally have just like trying to make a beat. You have like totally other ideas that are inspired by like things that outside of beat making. So that's yeah. like, it's, it's just healthy. It's a good thing to do. And, you know, taking those things, like, you know what I mean? Just jamming in the room on shrooms with instruments, catching a bass, hiking. Your, your life outside of making beats and even music is just as important, I feel like, to actually making the music. It's honestly of, even more important. Yeah. It might be like a 60-40 type deal, and that might even yeah. be – a you know what I mean? Uh, overestimate or underestimate, but like, I think in the end, like I, I and this, like this is totally unrelated to this music at this point, but like in the end, like when, you know, when you're dying, like I know that like me personally, like when I look back at like my life, like in the last like three years, it's like, yeah, like I have memories that are really good of making music. I have plenty of memories that are really good at music, but a lot of my kids memories the last three years were just like things that just happened to me, like in my life. And I'm going to remember that shit for a longer time than just like making the Holocaust beat. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, I think we did talk about this in our last interview. If you're not out there having experiences, like you just said, experiences that you're going to remember, you're not going to make great music. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I could be wrong. You know what no, I mean? I, I agree. But I think that if you're not inspired, you're not inspired. And you're just going to make some bullshit. Yeah. Like you said, you've been, you've been traveling uh, or not really traveling. You haven't really been in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? And it's kind of helped change your whole sound. Yeah. You know, you've gone out. I'm sure you've gone out to LA, LA a little bit. 
um, recently or in the past, whatever, since we talked. And yeah. That you've been even able to bring that back to the music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so fuck it. You said you do a shrooms playing guitar, bro. Well, I do shrooms. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I haven't unlocked that area of my fucking mind yet, even though I've done shrooms probably dozens of times now. Um, I just, bro, I can't do music. Mm-hmm. I cannot do the music thing on shrooms, bro. I do not know why. No, I understand. Like, I, I've, there's been plenty of trips that I've had where I also can't. It's like, it's kind of just like on a case by case basis where it's like some trips, you know, you can never plan a trip, but you can't just like oh, say, yeah. like, once the shit hits, the shit hits. It's like, what you're going to do is what you're going to do. And um, the last times that I tripped, I had not made music. But then this last time that I tripped, like a few days ago, we, I didn't actually make beats. We just played, we just played music. And um, at times it got a little bit intense to the point where like, I kind of didn't want to keep doing it. But, you know, it's like doing that, I guess what it was, was like, it maybe I, like not even so much like the music we were playing directly was inspiring to me, but it was more like the actual action itself. I was like, like, I, I kind of like, had like almost like ego death about it where I was like, damn, like what the fuck is happening? Like I'm just sitting here like plucking some like fucking strings and like making noises and we're all just like gigging out to this. And this is just like, cool. Like, like this shit makes no sense, but it's like the coolest shit ever. Like it's like, it's stupid, but it's lit. And it kind of like helped me just like realize like that's what music is. Music is stupid and it's lit. Like taking that shit too seriously is kind of not the way to, to go about it, but also just like, and yeah, just, just enjoy it for what it is. Like we're just going to, sit here and do shrooms and all like play like viking melodies and gig out and shit it's like you know that's fun that, that's as fun as anything else even though it's like it has no kind of real like meaning it was just but it, it felt so meaningful despite having no meaning and that was like maybe just like realize like oh yeah like that's what music is music is just kind of like some abstract shit that like is just really fun and enjoyable and like that's just what it should be and those are the people who tend to make the best that's that's where the best music comes from people who just make it make it that that's how you guys in spider gang kind of i feel like came up like i don't when i get from talking to you guys i don't get that you guys all got together and we're like all right you know what i mean we're gonna we're gonna really you know go this way we're gonna take this so seriously we're gonna da, 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 da. like i yeah. feel like you guys at one point we had, were had fun with it i mean you yeah. gotta have that balance too but you guys the basis of you guys i feel like the music you make is just fun yeah, no, nah, like, I think when I first, like, met Darky and when the shit was, like, first beginning and we were just, like, younger and just didn't know what the fuck we were doing, we were more serious. But as we've gotten older, we've been like, yeah, whatever, like, fuck it. I have another guest. I, I keep getting all these calls. Damn, you're popular-ass fucking guy. <laughs> Edison, I'm on Bobby D right now. Say what's up. Oh, hell yeah, boy. I'm about to send you the motherfucking <laughs> verse for the... All right, yeah, word. No, I'll, I'll peep that afterwards. <laughs> All right, cool. Now, I'll take a listen to that, and I'll call you later. Love you, bro. Talk to you later. Popular-ass fucking guy over here. Yeah, a whole lot of shit going on right now. Fucking, yeah, that's just shit. I was asking you guys questions about organization and shit, and yeah. we're getting, like, we're getting visible proof. You yeah. know what I mean? Getting calls about all these verses and sending shit through, like, so it's like, is it kind of like this every day? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, People- dude. People just calling you, you know what I mean? I'm sending this verse back. I need this beat. Da, 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 da. We need to watch a 6 9 documentary. Yeah, like right right now is especially crunch time. It's like right now, Spider Gang currently is organized. Like the current way that Spider Gang is organized, and this is actually like back to that question, maybe like a better way to answer it. A lot of Spider Gang's organization, I feel like, comes down more so to physically what's happening, like where we're at. So right now, 
there's a bunch of us who are all together. Like, like half of Spider Gang is like all in the same area right now. So a lot of shit's going on. And um, yeah, it's like when we're all together, it's like this is crunch time. They're like, we're working right now. So we have to just like, I think right now there's way more like coordination. If we were just all doing our own things, like off in our own corners of the world, it wouldn't be as like much going on. But yeah, right now, especially, I think just like in the context of this year where it's like the year's about to be over, this year's been a weird fucking year. Everyone's trying to put out their albums and their singles and this and that and trying to get all this shit done before 2021 or to have 42121. 21. Just a lot of like, there's a lot of crunch time going on. It's like right now, it's like things are just like especially busy right now. Shit. Fucking. Yeah, it's. Do you guys kind of like plan your releases out? Like, so you guys don't. I mean, not you, obviously. Um, the artists in Spider Gang kind of plan the releases out so they don't bump into each other, like releases. Oh, uh, kind of. We, we do that on on our YouTube channel. We do that. Like, if someone drops a video on YouTube, it's, we're not about to just like drop like three more that week, even if like we have them on deck. Um, but outside of that, it, sometimes like I think that that's kind of up to the person dropping shit. Like, if some I know, like you know, if someone puts out an album. Like, it's usually, like, it's not going to, like, be super common to see, like, someone else put out an album that same day or, like, the day after. But that could happen. I think that, like, really the only time that we really consider that is just, like, the Spider Gang YouTube channel because that's one channel for all of us. So, naturally, of course, we have to plan that out and make sure it's not just, like, full of fucking one person's videos or whatever. But outside of that, everyone's got their own, like, you know, pages going on and their own artists. So, like, they're just doing their thing. Has being in this, you said, like, half Spider Gang's in the same kind of undisclosed location right now. You know what I mean? Hidden, hidden secret. Yeah. Away from the COVID so the spiders don't get the virus. Yeah. <laughs> How has that kind of affected um, the music? Oh, it's been getting so cracked out and ridiculous lately. I feel like um, this is just like the general thing that happens in this kind of environment is where when a lot of us get together, I feel like you know, you know how it is with like like every single it's not actually I was talking about this with Dillinger last night, and it's something that Dillinger said. I'm I'm gonna quote him right now. Every single person has their own personality, but every single group also has their own personality. So there's, you know, like six of us all together right now. And that's basically six personalities all coming together and becoming one other thing. So, you know, and I don't necessarily have to even explain because, you know, there's plenty of videos you could see on YouTube of how Spider Gang generally is when we're all together. So, you know, like, things like meth head freestyle for reference and shit like that. So right now the personality of the group is really just, I think even grimier than ever. <laughs> well, shit, I guess we're going to, I guess we'll, uh, we'll hear in the future when the music all kind of comes out. How, yeah. You'll hear in the been, future. Who's been added to spider gang since we talked. Cause I know a few people it's been funny. It, I, it was funny as fuck because during the gunk rock interview, um, I know I I asked why Flacco Edison weren't in Spider Gang, mm. <laughs> and Darky was like, because not everybody needs to be in Spider Gang. Da, 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 we just don't need to. And like a week before the interview dropped, it was like, oh yeah, they're in Spider Gang now. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think since the last them, interview, yeah, since then, um, we had an MK Ultra. We just added Teenage Disaster like three days ago, and then I'm trying. I think back when um. We last spoke, yeah, John was, yeah, I think that that's it. Those guys, MK, Teenage Disaster. Damn. All right. Yeah, Teenage, I just got on him, the, uh, that A14 uh, song, this. Mm. 
what was what was the fucking we got a lot of songs together um it was more kind of like the the bluesy type fucking was it their newest song i don't know if it was their newest one i'm, I'm gonna find it right they now. Went out, that was called halloween suicide that just came out somnophobia somnophobia oh yeah it's one of his biggest songs yeah yeah that, i just got on teenage that's because of that shit um mm-hmm. and that shit was fucking beautiful a14 is I, he's another one i almost he went right over my head a14 is really making a big wave right now too i've noticed yeah he really kind of expanded what he can do musically yeah and he's also i, I want to say like the youngest person in the group so it's really cool to see no definitely that's facts um shit in the producers in spider gang how do you guys coordinate because you got you got you salsa um Kibensis. yeah so we're us they're like the dedicated producers a lot of people like, like i'm here right now you want to say hi black huh? here with black right oh, now this shit. man also makes beats what's up what's I good bro <laughs> <laughs> and uh so you know like uh, most people in spider game like make beats like mk ultra has been producing a lot for other people as well like i think you'll probably start seeing him as a more like dedicated He's not gonna be a dedicated producer, but you're gonna see more of his beats like popping up on Spider Game member songs like this more and more in the next like few months. Um, between me, Solsa, and Cube, you know, we don't really actually coordinate shit. Like I'm making a project with Solsa right now that like is like just like the two of us that so will have some features on, but like us three, we we kind of just all do our thing. Like, I feel like the th- all three of us like I think fit different. And this is like back when like the Gunk Rock interview happened, how this was mentioned. Like all three of us fit different slices of the pie. Yeah. So we don't like, you know, I make beats with Solsa and Cube like here and there, but we don't necessarily like do a whole lot together. I think because like bottom line, I think it's like when people want to like, when somebody wants a Solsa beat, like they want a Solsa beat. When somebody wants like a Cubensis beat, they want a Cubensis beat. When someone wants like a Wendigo beat, they want like a Wendigo beat. I think like, we all can do similar shit, but we like generally just like choose not to, especially like I think Solsa is the biggest like outlier so I think with Cube, like Cube is somebody like more like me who we, we try like doing like a lot of different things. But I feel like Solsa, all the producers in Spider Gang, has like the most like specialist like sound. Like Solsa has like this like super like swampy, you know, like futuristic sounding. Like I heard Cubensis describe it as like he calls it like the night vision sound. Like it sounds like you're just like in night vision. That's kind of what that shit is. Like it's like pretty great description of it. Like I think with so when somebody wants a beat from Solsa, it's like, yeah, I'm trying to make like a night vision song. I want shit that's going to be all sneaky. Like I'm in Splinter Cell or some shit with a, you know, a silenced pistol just creeping around. Like, so, you know, I'm not going to always do that. Cube's not going to say, and Solsa's not going to always do that either, but it's like, we don't necessarily coordinate that much. So I just think because like, kind of like naturally works out the way it works out. Word. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You, like, like you said, you guys, and like Darkie said and described in the Gunk Rock interview, uh, what you guys you guys should all go back and watch. Um, you guys all kind of fit a different piece of the puzzle. You guys got yeah. all all sorts of different sounds. Speaking of gunk rock, though, are we going to hear any more gunk rock music in the future? It's been a um, while. You know, I, I don't really know. I'm not I actually like a part of gunk rock. and But I because Ed and Flock are just in Spider Gang now, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not going to just, like, fully, like, say no. But, like there's not really any kind of shit going on in that sphere right now. Yeah. You guys are just kind of all making music together as it seems. Yeah. I think like right, right now, 
people are busy right now. Like majority of Spider Gang right now is busy doing what they got to do. So, and I don't think that Gunk Rock is like a, uh, anything on the list. Like I think like Flacco, Eddie, and Darky are all doing their thing right now. And I don't believe that like they're going to just like do another Gunk Rock tape or some shit right now because everyone else is just busy. Yeah. Shit. Well, I mean, yeah, fucking that makes sense and shit. And I'm not going to out, fully outrule it, but I, I, cause I'm not in the group, but I would say like, yeah, if you're a gunk rock fan watching this, like, unfortunately, like, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of gunk rock on the horizon right now. <laughs> gunk rock may be far, far in the future. If it's there. But who knows, maybe this shit will come out and like a week later, like a whole like double album will come out by gunk rock and I'll just be like totally wrong, but I don't yeah, think we're working on it in secret and shit like yeah. that. My my boy Torchface said this. He's like, Spider Gang is an example of a modern group when you do the group thing and you you do it right and you take it seriously. So what are what are some ways Spider Gang on the come up um, kind of use social media and continue to use social media to remain relevant? You know. I, I think it's almost unexcusable to like be in a position where you actually can speak and you actually can like say important things and you just choose to just like that all up by just doing nothing. Like I think that like, if that's what you're going to do by being an artist, I personally, you should just quit. You know, that, is kind of like different from person to person. Um, I know that like, and I think like the strategies for a lot of people have changed as well in the last few months, just kind of considering what happened with Spider-Gang getting much bigger in the last like six months. Um, like for example, like this is something that I have no attachment, like this is something that I don't do, but I noticed with other people. And this is something that I think like back when um, X was coming up, this is something that he did. This is this like, that, this is game that he put the world onto. Like certain people in Spider-Gang will spend a lot, like a lot of time on Discord or they'll just, they just like have cultivated these like discord servers that are just like full of like these people that they're friends with as well as fans and they just stay active in these servers and just like you know and they just develop relationships with fans that me personally i don't do it because like i'm not actually like really for doing this but people do it and i'm, I'm not gonna say it doesn't work where people where certain artists will like you know, just cultivate relationships with the fans so you, you can start to like develop bases of people who are going to naturally put in more work for you and help you spread your message because like they happen to know you better. I personally don't give a fuck about like internet relationships. Like I, I actually don't like having that. I don't like talking with heads on the internet every day that I don't actually know. Like I am super against it. Like, so for me personally, I guess what I try to do is just like you know, I actually never even like, really thought about this. I feel like a lot of us, like, I think you know what it is, actually, okay, I'll, I'm gonna reset this whole question. Gotcha. I think the strategy that has worked for us about the internet is like the answer is like kind of in the question. It's that like, there really is no strategy. We're just all like, just like chaotic people that I feel like just naturally do chaotic shit. So heads on the internet, just like see that and like respond to it. So. I guess the strategy is like, we just like kind of, we choose to be ourselves on the internet as opposed to trying to like portray something else. Like we all just like, like when you go on, like, it's not like, like you go on like Darkie's Instagram, like he's just going to be himself. And you go on MK's Instagram, he's just being himself. Like when MK goes live on Instagram, he's like, when like, whenever he's like, he's like, he's like playing a character. Like when he was putting out his green guy, like EP, 
he would go on Instagram live in like the green guy suit and just like do green guy shit. And then he'll have videos where like, he's just like in a Walmart in his green guy suit, like buying tech shit. Like everyone in the, like, or a 14, like a lot of his fans, I feel like are more like, like edgy, like teenagers, like angsty kids who want to rage out and shit. So like, he just cultivates that better. Cause like, he just like, kind of acts that like, he doesn't even act that way. He just like, I think he portrays that image like a lot like this like the way he like like when he he posted like a song like three days ago and the caption was like all right you fuckers new song out let's fucking go like that's not some shit that i would say but like for a14's fans that riles them up like like him calling them fuckers so like it's kind of just like the chaos of it i think it's like it's just like a very like colorful group of people that all just like do chaotic bullshit and that chaotic bullshit hits the internet and people like bottom line, they just react to it. Like it doesn't really, if it's good or bad, a lot of our strategy, I feel like it's very like, it's like reactionary and not even intentionally. Like we don't, we're not, it's not like we're sitting around like trying to figure out how to like upset people. We just kind of naturally do. And that like just works. Yeah. It's, and it's worked for you all the way until now. And it probably will continue to work for you because you guys just have done it right. And you've cultivated this, fan base that you know immediately just gravitates to everything one of you guys do like yeah. even you as a producer um have you know branded yourself almost on the level of an artist like a lot of, like you as a producer get a lot more traction than a lot of artists do yeah i guess for me personally like, like to that question yeah what i try to do is i think it's not necessarily something like i try to do Something that I notice about a lot of like dichotomy of like the rapper producer thing is that there is like this stereotype that like, and it, and this stereotype honestly like is a lot of time like actually true, where rappers like the extroverted like personality heads who will you know who are dominating like like the alphas who like dominate and like who you know are, like like the voices you hear and a lot of producers are just like really quiet like introverted like weirdos, and that's like that is a cliche. But that can be true a lot of the time. And I feel like I just don't really, like, I identify like more as a rapper than a producer. Like, I feel like just like me as like a personality, I feel like I just, I don't, I'm not the type of person who wants to just like not say anything and just like sit in my computer all day and like, just like be like a blank face. Like I like to like take part in like the one God side and like just engage in shit. And um, so I don't know. I feel like that's like, I guess the advice that I would give to producers is like, even if your beats are ass, because this is actually true for a lot of producers, your beats can be absolutely terrible. But like, if you just like make a good effort to like be like a per, like if you have a personality, personality does go farther than musical skill. Yeah, in the social media age, most definitely. And even, I mean, I'm not even gonna say in just the social media age. You just period, probably. Yeah. Period. You look back throughout. You know what I mean? History. It's it's entertainment at the end of the day as well. You yeah, know? like a, a lot of producers, like there are like in like the list like the classically like listed like best producers ever like all those people that you see on that list like jay dilla and like mad and like kanye like those are all people that like you can go and you can hear them speak like they're not just like heads that you like you've never heard speak before like just like and i think this is something i noticed people and this isn't even about producers but i think there's like a lot of people in music are just like afraid to speak like heads are actually just like literally afraid to like use their voice. Like they're afraid like that like they're gonna get like made fun of or some shit. And it's like you have to just embrace that. 
it's in that Durky mentioned, like back when you can't really hear a lot of this shit anymore. And when I first met Durky, this was like right towards the end of that. So you can kind of hear it on like some of his earliest music he currently has out. But like back when he put out like his Kill Yourself EP on with that album, the voice that he's using on that album sounds a bit more low than like the voice that he raps in nowadays. It's more like high pitched and like, you know, like, like cartoon Durky. And his actual voice in real life is more kind of like high pitched like that sometimes. But so he went on some of that, like, but when he was like first starting out, he was like afraid that like, his high pitched voice was like a bad voice that like would get made fun of and like wouldn't like, it just wouldn't sound good. So he tried to like tone down his voice when he would rap. But like, then he just like, he, then he realized that he's like, wait a minute, my personality actually like can be like, my voice is a part of that. Like me sounding all squeaky and high pitched, like that's actually like way cooler if I just do that and embrace that and run with that because that's really who I am than trying to like be something that I'm not. And so I do think that like, that's the biggest advice that I could give is just like, don't be afraid to just like be you. And that sounds like some like cliche shit. That's really what it is. Like people really are like afraid to just like be them. Like, and that ties back into like the, the copying thing you mentioned about how heads want to like copy other people's music. Like people want to like fit a mold as opposed to like creating a new mold and creating a new mold is a much harder thing to do, but it's much like, but for so many reasons outside of the music itself, it's a way better thing to do. It's better for business. It's better for your own mental health. It's just better like for your life. Like you, I think that most artists that take the risk and make their own mold and do that successfully are going to have more success than artists that come up off someone else's work and make and get successful. Like there's like, there's going to be somebody who's going to like be up for a year or two off like shit someone else did. But if you just come up off what you did and off you, you're just going to be up for as long as you want. No. Yeah. That, that pretty much, that's pretty much makes sense, bro. Because a lot of people, they don't create their own mold. And you said like that can be harder. Yeah. I guess if you can't mentally get past, you know what I mean? people saying shit about you but i almost feel like it's more mentally exhausting to not create your own mold it's more mentally exhausting to be like all right i'm gonna make music so i'm gonna paint my nails black and get a face tattoo yeah you know what i mean when that's not necessarily you you feel yeah me? exactly like so that, it's like i yeah. feel like it might be easier to just be yourself but i feel like people are afraid to be themselves so i it, it it's a catch-22 i guess in that department but like yeah, like you guys have kind of created your own mold, and that's why it, you, even as a producer, you know what I mean, is created your own mold, your own, your own brand. You are yourself. You know, you're not afraid, like you said, to get up and say something or to get up and do some funny ass shit. Like you're just yeah. funny. A lot of the times, you're just fucking hilarious online. That how how to know melody shit or that how to sell crack shit is fucking hilarious. Like yeah, I was you. dying laughing when I when I when I both of those had me dying laughing first mm. couple times like i went back and rewatched it but th those are things that make people like remember you know what i mean you as more than a beat maker that yeah you know, big purple jeep is like you know i mean one of the greatest tracks of all time easy top five. <laughs> like easy top five so <laughs> those yeah. things like definitely have helped you know what i mean you you guys all kind of are like that in spider gang and that's kind of helped spider gang in itself you know what i mean create its own mold yeah no, and I, I was gonna say like um, and this is a hard swill, a, a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, but I genuinely do believe this. If you are afraid of making your mold, if you're afraid 
of losing shit in your life because of music, you should not do music. You should quit. Like I, there's just, there's an artist named Izzy. Who's a guy that I know from New York. Who's a hella good artist that you should check out. I Z E. Um, and one time Izzy said, like, if you're not willing to die for this shit, you shouldn't do it. And that, when I first heard that, I thought that might've been like a bit extreme, but I've thought about it more. And I actually believe that, like, I'm totally about that. If you're not willing to literally die for this shit, you just shouldn't do it. Yeah. Like too many people aren't, aren't willing to, to go the extra step or make themselves uncomfortable. Too many people want to be comfortable. Like, you know what I mean? They need to have, you know what I mean? The nicest crib, the best car type shit. You know what I mean? They're not willing to, to take the shitty car. You know what I mean? Not live in the best place. You know what I mean? You know, make themselves uncomfortable. Couch surf. Do yeah. all those things that kind of, A, build fucking character. <laughs> add a, give you a fucking backstory. And fucking taking that extra step. Too many people yeah. are, won't take opportunities or don't put themselves out there because they're afraid to make themselves uncomfortable. Yeah, and also, like, something that people don't think about, and this is also very true to that point, when you get more up and you start making money and you start getting more famous and start getting more shit out of this, that does not mean it gets easier. In fact, it might even get harder. Like, the, the more you go up, the more that people are looking at you, the more pressure that's on you, the more you have to actually become really rock solid in what you're doing. So, like, don't take the risk like you don't want to be that guy that like isn't really actually about this shit and then just like accidentally blows up and then you're just like well shit now i can't just like dissociate and like my life's forever going to be like changed like you have to like that's also part of the game like you have to understand like this shit it's not just like oh i'm about it it's it's not like you just get a hit song and like and then you can just like you can just retire after that if you want but like most heads don't want to do that. So, you know, you have to keep in mind, like, this is not just some game that you can just kind of fuck around in and play. Like, once you have eyes on you, like, shit does get more serious. Like, shit does get more crazy. You have to be more careful yeah. more and more, like, you know, tactic, like, tactile with it. You have to just be more on your shit. So, like, don't even bother doing this shit if you just want to fuck around and have, you know, painted nails and a face tag when you're not that person. Like, don't be that guy. Yeah, do not be that guy because in, like, 20 years, you're going to be like, yo, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, like what like what happens when you go on like an interview or some shit and like you just literally like fucking can't like you, like I this time I noticed about so many people. I, I'm not even gonna like name names because it's just like so fucking common. Like I don't even have to. Like how many interviews have you seen with rappers or producers that are just so fucking dry that have nothing going? Like how many artists do you see that have nothing to say? There's nothing to say. Have bro, nothing bro, to like... say. Like, you, you know, you, fuck, you don't want to be that guy. Like, I feel like that's just, like, a, a position that, like, you just don't want to be in. Like, as, like, if you actually are, like, trying to be an artist, then you're probably not going to be that guy. But I feel like I, I think it's almost unexcusable to, like, be in a position where you actually can speak and you actually can, like, say important things and you just choose to just, like, fuck that all up by just doing nothing. Like, I think that, like, if that's what you're going to do by being an artist, I personally think you should just quit. Yeah, you don't think people use that influence properly. No, I, I feel like being like, you know, choosing to like, like, like if you decide to like, if you decide to do this shit and you become lucky to like, and you get up and like, you start like having like power and influence, I do believe like morally you're obligated to do the right things with that. Like, I do think that like, and like, and you know, 
the right things that it's not necessarily like a good and evil thing, but it's like, you don't have to like say, you don't have to say certain things. Like, I don't care about what someone's opinions are, but like, I do think if you have that position where like you actually have shit going on that you can like make a difference in the world, whatever that is for you, you should, and you like have to do it. Cause like, what's the point of the shit otherwise? Like, I, I do think this shit does matter. Like, I think that like, and especially like, it's considered too, like, there's kids like and it's not this is an issue that i don't have just with rap but i feel like with just like a lot of shit in the world right now is that i feel like a lot of we like i feel like as like a fucking species we've like allowed depraved behavior to become acceptable like there's so many things that i feel like are bad for like the children to see like i feel like kids nowadays and this is not like i said this is not just because of rap it's because of a lot of shit kids nowadays think that like doing drugs and like being like like just like hella like just like sexual all the time and just like like i know it's like 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 like, there's like kids i know who are like 10 years old who like have jewels and are just like fucking and shit it's like when i was 10 years old i was watching star wars i didn't know what that shit was like i was so like against that shit like because i think because like like how information travels now like it's become acceptable and almost like allowed for young people to just like do depraved shit and I feel like if you become someone who's up that just like plays into that, you're just encouraging kids to make bad decisions. And I like, I do think like that's the most important part of being an artist is being a good role model. Like no matter what you're doing, no matter what your stances are about politics or religion or whatever, I don't care about that, but just make sure like if you do have the spotlight on you, do the best you can to just like not fuck shit up for other people. Yeah. Cause like a lot of, a lot of these kids, bro. And I'm like, I'm sure you've even gotten messages um people who you know what i mean you've inspired in life um that's important like whether whether a lot of these artists who are up realize it or not the the words they say and they could say a sentence that they don't they don't think shit about it but like that could really change someone's perspective in life Mm -hmm. and they might not even like catch on to it like i've gotten messages from the darky interview saying yo watching this interview like a year later like hearing darky say this or comments on it you know what i mean or watching this interview or hearing darky say this kind of like really changed my path into doing this it's just like you don't really you don't really realize like the little things until they're really kind of brought to your attention i feel like no straight up it's and it's important to like to to just have that be like, like what you do is a good thing for that because like there are going to be like you let people speak on shit. And so I feel like with someone like you, it's like, you are like, you are like a fucking like a, a conduit for that. So like you're giving people the privilege, like, right, like what, what we're doing right now, this is not some shit that like, is just like it, like, this is like a luxury, you know, like doing an interview is not just some shit that like, just you, that everyone just gets to do every day. So it's like, if you have someone wanting to interview, who wants to speak to you, like, I do think as a man, as a woman, whatever, prepare yourself to be able to, like, actually speak on some shit and don't just, like, sit there and, like, fucking fall asleep and say shit that's just going like, to put everyone else to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Because, like, bro, there's one interview of it. I'm not even going to mention his name. Worst interview I ever fucking did. 100% regret doing it. Um, And he just... He every i asked all the best questions and shit everything was on point it was just either yeah kinda nah uh, uh. and i'm not cool with him to this day his music's going down it was one of my earliest interviews probably i think it was like in the first 15 but um yeah and just looking back on it it's just like 
you just kind of didn't care. You you had such a spotlight, and you just really didn't didn't use it for anything. Yeah, you fucked up the bag. Like, why you gotta fuck up the bag like it that? Up. Like, yeah. not even that you you didn't use it for anything positive. You just didn't use it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but fucking yeah, man. So like, what do you? What are some ways you want to kind of use your influence as a producer? And well, as so, an artist. Um, what what I think that this thing that I think about, and this thing that I think for me and in my life, really helped me out to a degree that I can't even like really state. Like I can't even like really fully like put in words how much this changed my life. But when I was young, when I was like age like thirteen through like eighteen, I went to music school, and I was you know like in terms of like my upbringing, like how I grew up. I was a kid that like my parents split when I was like six years old, my mom and I'm the upstate, my dad stayed in the city. And so like my family, like my, you know, but my parents had some money. So like, I I was not somebody that grew up like on the street. I had a very good childhood. And so that came with a lot of good things, but that also came with the fact that like my perspective of the world of how shit really was for most of the world was non-existent. Like I grew up in a small 4,000 person town where most people around did pretty decently well there was no crime there was no like bad shit happening it was just like a nice little town in the woods so i had this guy named paul green who moved to my town when i was like 12 years old and his goal was to open up like a a music college and so in order to do that he opened up like a school of music and um you know like the school of rocks like those they just like have those all over the country this guy paul he's like the guy who like founded that he sold the franchise like probably a decade before i knew him but so like he was like the OG school of rock guy. And like the way he taught music was very like unorthodox. Like he was not somebody that was like, he was, he kept it real to a point where it was like oftentimes offensive and even like illegal at times. Like he was so harsh and so fucking like nuts to like a lot of his students that most people I know who went to that school like to this day really don't fuck with him. Like he traumatized a lot of kids. Me personally though, I was one of those kids where I basically joined his school. Never in my life had I had somebody become like an enemy. Like I never had to deal with adversity in my life. Like I was like, I prior to that, I was just like in school. I was in middle school. I used to just like get good grades and just like study and hang out with my friends and shit. And there's never like uh, any kind of real like thought about like, oh, is the world any more harder than this? Like, there's you know, life's pretty easy. Like there can't be any more harder than this. And then uh, this guy, Paul showed up and basically like, he made me like, I always wanted to do music. And like, he made me start to just hate music because I would go to his school and I would like have to learn songs and shit. And then, you know, I would like get one note wrong or some shit. And he would just like call me a faggot in front of like all these girls that I had a crush on and just like, or he would just like throw chairs at kids. And like, he did a lot of shit that's super questionable that like, and that's like, he moved out of my town after he left. And like, people don't like him because he, he did do a lot of fucked up things. But like, me personally, what I took away from it was like, I did get like depressed over it. And I was like 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school. I like just hated music because it became like this, like this stressful thing to me. And um, I had to just like come to the realization that like this man, Paul was like making me hate myself, that it wasn't actually about him. It's not like I just like hate music because of him or it was because like, I hated it because like he was just putting in words to me that I wasn't who I wanted to be. And that motivated me to just like start practicing and like taking the shit more seriously to a point where I started to get good, right? I, I didn't get fucked on anymore. And I was able to like, you know, go on into life. And like, 
I feel like, you know, having gone to that school, it gave me a lot of information that like I needed to do what I'm doing now. So a goal of mine is not to be like Paul. And, you know, if Paul is watching this, no offense, but like, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be like you. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like I, I fuck with Paul. Like, you know, like I'm one of the only students that like from that school that fucks with Paul. Like most kids hate Paul who, who I went to school with. I don't have a problem with Paul, but I do think that the way Paul taught did fuck up music for a lot of kids. And I'm not trying to fuck up music for a lot of kids, but I do want to just like be like, as an adult, I would like to be like a resource where I can just like help kids who are like me or kids that were worse off or better off than I was. Like my goal, I think as a producer and as a musician is just like at some point to just like give back to, like, to the children. Like I really do believe like, like the kids are the future and shit. I just want to make sure like the work that I do isn't just gonna, it's, it's just like for them. It's like, just to make, I, mean, I wanna be able to just like help out people that were like me or that were like 13 years old and didn't really understand shit about the world. Like I wanna just like help out people that could use getting helped out. And I'm not trying to do it in a way where like, you know, I'm, I'm breaking kids' mentals down and like just fucking up their whole like self-esteem and shit. But I do want to be like a resource for people that like I can be real with people and I can say, listen, like, you know, I know you wanna learn, and I, I want to learn as well. And I think like my goal is just like to give, to just give nice things. Like I think like knowing how to play music is like a nice thing to know. Like, like honestly, like, I don't have any kind of goal that's about like any kind of like real world issue necessarily. I'm not trying to like make a statement about like, you know, like how like Darkie seems about like, you know, race being fake. That's like his mission. That's something that I agree in. That's not my mission. Like, you know, and then everyone else again, has their own mission. Like my mission, I think is, is not so much like about like a certain idea. It's more just about like getting to a point where I can just like, give the gift of music to people because the gift of music is a gift that just always keeps on giving yeah music is kind of like that's kind of like your way of helping the world that's mm -hmm. kind of like everybody i feel like you said everybody has their own mission i kind of feel like everybody has their own way of you know what i mean that they can whether they decide to use that that way is upon them everybody has their own way that they can help out in the world and yours is through music whether it be inspiring somebody to make the music themselves or you know what i mean calming down a depressed kid with a song or like you know what i mean inspiring somebody to keep to keep going like yeah. i feel like that's kind of your that's your way of helping yeah it's like i like you know i, I mentioned how it's kind of like a martial art like i see music as like a it's like a it's, a it's like a discipline thing like being able to play music is it just it's just like it, it teaches you a lot about yourself and also like if it, it can become like i know for me like in times in my life where like i was like at my worst like music and playing music has like brought me peace like music is something that i think it's just very like very like therapeutic like i want to be able to just like give people like it's like it's it's something that's like super hard and like you know there's a whole field of therapy dedicated to this very question where it's like how is like how do you have someone inspire like their own like inner peace like how can you just like instill that in someone i know for me that's music i know for me if there's very few things in the world that'll put me like in a zen state where i can just like sit there and totally zone out and forget about everything else going on and actually there's really only one thing that is music and like i know for a lot of people that's going to be true for them so i just want to be able to you know give people the, the power to just like have peace within their own minds if that makes sense no absolutely it, it makes perfect fucking sense was that um you said that was your first time in music school in middle school having faced any sort of adverse or ad, ad yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> fuck it. Adversary. I said, said adversity. That. Yeah. Adversity. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm high, bro. Fuck it. Um, yeah, that's your first time. You said in middle school with Paul, that was your first time facing any sort of adversity. Yeah. With, you know, gr- growing up in kind of a small town, you said, you know what I mean? You kind of got started to get depressed at 15. Was that because you were kind of realizing the world wasn't, you know what I mean? What you, you really thought? What it was, was, um, and I guess this, I have to go back and explain some more about how, like the way that Paul taught for me, the way that Paul was about, like, I think that, I think he's a very smart guy. And I think that like, there's a few students that he had, and I was like one of them that I feel like I always knew like he saw something in me and I, and like, he would take like the extra mile to like go really hard on me because of that. So I became depressed because, you know, before I was even in music school, I always wanted to be like a musician. Like I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen. Like, honestly, like when I was like three years old, I was listening to eruption and being like, Oh, I want to do that. And, um, so I went into his school and like, you know, I, I never played music before. And so at his school, music was not just like some fun thing. We're just going to fuck around and play music. It's like, no, like you're going to show up and do exactly what I say. And if you don't do it, I'm going to punish you. That's what that was. Like he was like a, like a crazy, like tiger parent. And so the first few years that I was in school, like, and I wasn't like, I wasn't practicing that much. I wasn't like make much of an effort to like do what I wanted to do. He would go really like hard on me. Like there was, I'll give you like a story of this one time. Like this wasn't at me, but this is like to illustrate what he would do. There was this girl that I was in school with who was a piano player and she had been, you know, kind of fucking around like, like a lot of the guys that were in our group. We were, I was in this group that was called show band, was like 25 kids that he was like, like there's like 300 kids in this school. Like a lot of the kids in this town went to this school and like the top 25 kids like had this thing called show band, like a touring group. So I was in show band like from my first year onwards. I was always in it. Even though I wasn't, wasn't like always ready for it. Um, so I was at the show band practice and this girl who'd been like fucking around like, like the, a lot, a lot of like, the other guys in show band, she's playing piano and she's just like doing a bad job according to Paul. So Paul calls all of us into the rehearsal room and he's like, Hey, so-and-so can you play that part again? And so she does it and he stops her and he says, you know why you can't play this song? And she asks why? And he says, you've just been spending all your time sucking all these dicks. Like, you just can't play this song because you've been sucking so much dick. Like, you know, she was like 14. Like, he would say shit like that to like 14-year-old girls and shit. And, um, you know, that was his whole thing. Like, he was just, he was really cruel. He was, an, he was a weird guy, but a guy that ultimately, like, for me, I really, like, stopped fucking with. Like, he would just, like, make me, like, really hate music because he would say similar things to, like, that were, like, equally, like, crazy to me and shit. So I was just playing guitar. I didn't really know what I was doing wrong. And I would just get fucked on. You know, I'd, I'd have these crazy things thrown at me. So I became depressed because this thing that I wanted to do music stopped being fun. So then I felt lost. I was like, what the fuck do I want to do then? Like, what is life going to really be about? If, like, if the thing that I love the most brings me all this stress and pain, like, what the fuck am I? Like, what is, like, what's the point of all this? Like, I got really depressed about that. And then like this, this one night, I just like, I had started smoking weed when I was 15. And I usually only like smoked with my friends because whenever I smoked long, I'd have these panic attacks and I, I didn't know why at the time, why that was going on. And this one night I had this crazy ass panic attack and, and I said, fuck it. Like, why is this happening? Why? Like I started just thinking, I'm like, why do I keep having these fucking panic attacks whenever I smoke weed? 
And I don't remember exactly how I got to this like decision, but at some point I realized I was like, damn, like low key. It's because like, I've let this man, Paul become like my reality. I've let his opinion on me, like dictate how I act. Like I stopped playing guitar for me and I started just practicing just so I wouldn't get yelled at and like called a faggot and shit. Like guitar started being about just like making Paul not fuck on me as opposed to just being about like having fun and playing music. And I had that realization and my whole attitude changed. And I started going to rehearsals. Like, and I, I stopped giving a fuck. Like Paul's just like, you, you know, he was like this like really big fat dude. Like shit, like he like chewed nicotine gum and just like was like disgusting. Dude. I was like, yeah, like why is like this big fat nicotine gum chew in person like fucking dictating my opinion about myself? And I stopped giving a fuck. And then like from that day forward, like I noticed like Paul noticed that I had figured something out and I started practicing more and he stopped going after me. And then I had a really good time and I just kept playing guitar and I did all these shows and then just like, it was hella lit. And then I just graduated. And um, I will actually, I guess like bastards from points, like I want to be able to inspire kids. I want to be able to inspire young people to like, you know, become who they want to be. And I don't want to do it in the same way Paul did. Where like, you know, Paul did that through like iron fist. Like he did that through just like being your biggest enemy. Like he pulled up and he just like made you hate him and despise him to the point where like where, but he always would, he'd always put himself above you. So like you'd hate him and you'd despise him, but you'd also always acknowledge like he was better than you at this shit. Like he was, he was an authority. And so that like, for me really fucked me up for a while until I figured out how to not get out of that. So a lot of people in my hometown to this day hate Paul because they never had that realization and they still, and I've, they, you know, I was in this school with like 25 kids that I was in this shit for like five years with. Like these like 25 kids that I just like did hundreds of shows with and just like know really well. Like these are like, like, like these are the kids, like I was with those kids longer than I've been with Spider Gang or anything else. Like those are like the kids that I've played music with the most in my life. And most of those people like to this day, like hate Paul. Like they see Paul as like, like as someone who just ruined like their dreams and ambitions. And I don't know, I can't explain to them like why I feel the way I do. That's how I feel about it. It's like, I just feel like, yeah, he did that for me too. But I just like, I, I snapped out of it at some point and it's like been good ever since. But um, yeah, so I want to just be able to like do the same thing Paul did for me, which was like inspire me to like work harder than I ever thought I'd have to work and how to just like be like more like a man. Like he taught me, how, I feel like he taught me how to be like a man in a lot of ways. He taught me how to just like, you know, stick up for myself and how to just like, you know, make sure I was prepared for shit. And I want to do that just in a way where it's like not so negative and like harsh and like, you know, ruins kids lives sometimes. Do you feel like his style was more like scarring than inspiring? Yeah. His style, like for like, you know, like I think as like evidence of it, like I was in this school with like 25 kids that we were in show band with and, you know, and all of us were really in the music, but since we've all graduated, I'm the only one who does music full time. Like, and, and there was kids and like, and granted, and I'll, I will definitely say this too. There were kids that I used to do music with who were way better than me. Like I was not the best kid in the group, like not by a long shot. Like there was kids who were way better guitar than I was kids who knew way more than I did, but I'm the only one that was able to graduate and make music my job. And I think it's just because like, you know, a lot of people became uninspired to do music because of the way Paul is, it's just like, so like, it was so negative for a lot of them. Yeah. And also, you know, being able to, you know, being this technically amazing musician and being able to make good songs people are going to listen to are two completely different things at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You may not have been the the best technical musician there, but you were probably one of the most creative minds when it came to 
making music. So that's where you were able to, you know what I mean, prosper. Yeah. Um, so when did you end up moving from this small town over to Brooklyn? Um, that there's like a few years in between. So when I graduated high school, the town's called Woodstock, and it's like where it's like the where like the Woodstock Festival had happened. So it was just a town full of like rock culture, and it it I love Woodstock. It's a great place. Like I think that it's like a, it's one of the last places in the world where like old head shit reigns supreme. Like in this town, like no one in Woodstock that really lives there is like in like they don't know what's going on in the SoundCloud shit. They're they're all just on their own thing. But so I moved out of Woodstock when I was seventeen. I went to school in California. I went to UC Santa Cruz for a year, dropped out. I moved back home to Woodstock for a summer. This is like right around the time that I first started talking with Darky back when like, so when we put out our first music together. So this was like mid to late 2018. Um, I did some shows with Darky in Brooklyn and then me and him decided, I decided to move in with him in Long Beach. I went to Long Beach like for like a month, decided it wasn't really for me, moved back to Woodstock worked a grocery store job for like three weeks, Scott, like, or like, like a month. I had like 2K in my bank account. I applied for an apartment in Brooklyn. That was like a rack a month to like, you know, for rent. I got it. So I paid my first rack to pay my first month's of rent. And then I paid another thousand dollars for my security deposit. So I had like $15 in my bank account. I just like moved to Brooklyn. I was living in Crown Heights, which is like a super like I love Crown Heights. It, it, it's, it's often considered like a very like bad and like ghetto part of Brooklyn. But I didn't really, like when I was there, I had an excellent time and I, I never really felt like I was like in danger. I, I, I love it there. Um, so I was, yeah. So I was basically like just had turned like 19 when I moved to Brooklyn. Damn. So you, damn, that's a lot happening from yeah. 17, from like 17 to 19 type, like, that's a lot that's a lot of change and that did that how was that that growth for you as a person in that time i mean it honestly like i think that the time in my life that in that period from 17 to 19 that like probably like, did the most for me was when i went to college because when i was in woodstock like the group of friends that i had and this is i think also like this was like a huge influence on me as a person and um when I was in Woodstock, I was like the type of person that I was like, I think that I had like a lot of like bitch tendencies when I was great. Even like when I had figured out like the guitar shit and had to kind of like gotten over my depression and shit, I still had like a lot of like bitch tendencies. Like I was still like a lot, like very afraid of a lot of shit. And um, when I went to college, I became friends with a bunch of people that I feel like were like, not necessarily more mature than I was, but way more ballsy than I was, who were way more about doing fuck shit and like, and getting into like debauchery than I was. So that influenced me a lot where I kind of like became, I started getting more comfortable with just like letting loose and becoming more, yeah, we're just like a, like a loose individual. And um, so I think that was probably like the most influential time in that period for me. It's like, just like being, a, like when I was on this campus, it was like a big school, like 25,000 students. And I had this group of friends. There's like four of us. We were all producers and rappers. And um, we just became like kind of like infamous around campus for just like causing problems. Like we would do like a lot of things. Like, I have a lot of funny stories. Like, we would just like do like a lot of mischief and cause a lot of problems. And like, so just being around that was like always like, you know, it was good because it, it made me realize, like I, I thought like a lot of the world was like more serious than it really was. So being on that, like kind of maybe like loosen up. You know what I mean? You need yeah. to have that balance of being respectful and being able to let loose, though. So. Yeah, and I, I, and at that point, like, so I feel like when I was back in college, I was getting to a point where I was too much of an asshole. Like, I, like by the end of that year, I was doing a lot of fuck shit. 
and I was having a lot of fun and not really, I was being selfish. I wasn't considering other people, but the year prior, I think it's because like my life prior to that, I was always trying to be so respectful and so nice that I was a bitch. And then I went to college and I became an asshole. And then like a year later, I was like, okay, you know what? The, yeah, like what you said, like the common ground is the way like you can't be a bitch. You can't be an asshole, but you also like, can't like not be either of those things sometimes. Yeah. You need to be able to know when to turn it up and turn it down. Yeah. So that was like an influential period of my life. It was just like going, so then, you know, back when I was in college, it's like, that's also like when I started making beats, I like when I basically, when I got to school, I like just started making beats. So like I was making music with, you know, a bunch of people that I don't work with anymore, but just being around, you know, like, just like doing like a lot of like, you know, that's my first time being like in an environment doing music with heads that wasn't like at music school. Like I was in this one band as well outside of school called the Bobby Lee's, which we have, there's like shit others on Spotify you can listen to that I was like, playing guitar in back in the day. But, um, Outside of like the Bobby Lee's outside of music school, I was just around like that. That's all, there was nothing else going on. So like going to college was good because it was like a way where I was able to like, I was learning how to make music with people that just weren't like kids from my school who were all like trained musicians and shit. I was making music with just like random kids in the dorm and shit. Just like, do you know, at that point I was so hungry to get my career started and like try to, you know, and, and get placements and get fucking money and all this shit that like, I was doing whatever I could. I was like, and I, and I also say this for anybody watching this, who's like a, a just starting out artist, enjoy it while you can. Cause that period when you're first starting out and there's no, there's no restrictions, there's no strings attached. Like you have nothing to your name. That is a fun time when you're just making music just to prove something. That's a really fun time. So enjoy it while you can shit fucking so you were in college you know what i mean really hungry for this when did that hunger kind of begin when were you like i need to do this music shit this is what the fuck i'm doing i mean i, I had that all my life i've never not had that feeling but like the but i never thought i was gonna be a producer that's I, that was a big distinction i always want to be a guitar player like when i was a little kid it was always like i want to play guitar i want to be in a band like and Eddie then Van i yeah, and then I started making beats, like, kind of on a whim. Like, I basically, back when I was in upstate, like, before I went to college, I had, um, I had, like, this internship with this, like, studio guy named Pete Kagan. Shout out Pete Kagan. And he gave me, like, a copy of Pro Tools for free. So he was like, you know, just learn how to use Pro Tools. Learn. And Pro Tools is not, like, people do this, but, like, just on, like, a technical level, like, Pro Tools is really not meant for making beats. It's, like, it's, it's really hard to make beats in Pro Tools. So I was just, I wasn't even thinking about making beats. I was just like, you know, playing guitar and recording myself and shit. Um, but towards the end of like my last summer in Woodstock, um, I had bought, like I've been hanging out with like with my friend Spencer and he had a friend over who had this thing that was called, it's called an MPD. You know what that is? It's like an MPC type of thing. Yeah. Um, so he had an MPD and he was like making a beat on Ableton. And I'd never seen Ableton before. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I was watching him make this beat and like, cause I had been trying to make some beats in Pro Tools, but it's really hard to do it. And I wasn't getting anywhere with it. So I was watching this kid make a beat on, on Ableton and like the way he was chopping up this sample and adding drums, it was just so much faster than Pro Tools. I was like, what the fuck? I need that shit. I was working at a grocery store at the time. So I had some money. So I bought my own MPD and it came with Ableton Live Light. Started learning that shit. Kind of just like, you know, that's when, started, that's when I started making beats. It was like, just like right before I went to college. And I was, you know, I still was trying to be a guitar player but I was just also making beats. But then I got to college and I wanted to be in a band, but I couldn't find anyone that I wanted to be in a band with. Cause I, I just, my standards been set too high, honestly, from just like being in music school with like all these kids that just got like really good after a while. And I couldn't find it cause I thought were that nice. But I did have a bunch of friends that rapped and produced and were good at that. 
So like, fuck it. I'll just like make beats and shit. I'll just play, you know, and I kind of did put guitar off to the side. Like I, when I first got into making beats, I was, I became so engrossed in that and like making like sounds that weren't guitar that I was like, just, like really just like doing that for, like most of that year. And I didn't like really, really pick up the guitar in like a very serious way again for like another like two years. Like I was playing guitar when I was in college and I was playing guitar, like, you know, when I dropped out a little bit, but I feel like I wasn't taking guitar as seriously until like really like this year again. But, um, yeah, so just being, that's really like, that's what instigated me to get the beat making hunger though, was being around, like, so when I got to college, my friends that I had, you know, I had nothing. I had zero placements. I had made probably like 30 beats total. I had friends that had a song that had like a thousand plays on it or 500 plays on it. Like I had friends that had placements or that had songs out. And so to me, I was like, oh my God, these people are like so much more like up than I, I gotta, I gotta cash up. And so I was just working really hard, just making beats. And I, you know, in my freshman year of college, I only got like three or four placements and they're all with artists that I don't work with anymore. But um, towards the end of that year, like right before I grad, like right before I dropped out, um, I found out who Lil Darky was. And so I made my first song with him right after I dropped out of school. And that's kind of where it all began. So shit, you know, kind of getting a little timeline started on, the story the Wendigo just told started in Woodstock to Long Beach, back to Woodstock, to Brooklyn, to college. No, nah, so I went from Woodstock to college, back to Woodstock, Long Beach, back to Woodstock, Brooklyn. Damn, that's a lot of fucking moving around in a matter of like, what, two, three years? Yeah, no, it's been a pretty hectic three years. So what made you drop out of college? And it wasn't actually even because of music. It was... um. So UC Santa Cruz had been building these massive like new dorms. So when I joined the school, they had just started like building these new buildings, but they didn't get finished by the end of the year. But the school had accidentally accepted like 4,000 extra freshmen thinking they were going to have dorms for them. So when I had enrolled in school, I had been promised two years of housing on campus. And at the end of the year, right before I was like, about to go home, my housing was taken away because there wasn't enough room to have me on campus because they had just, they hadn't built these dorms in time. Now I had been trying to get an apartment with my friends, but all of our parents, like, like most of my friends that I had in school had like met some of my parents. And so my parents, their parents, none of them wanted us living together because they knew that we were on a lot of bullshit, like making the trans going on your life. Song. Like they, they, knew, they knew we were just like, we were just like, if they had given us an apartment, we were going to abuse the fuck out of it. So none of us wanted to help us live off campus. And none of us had jobs when we were in school. So like, and we, we were just like, we were just about to like, so my friends, none of us were from California. It was, I'm from New York. Quizzy was from Connecticut. Auden was from Portland, Oregon. Um, our friend Miles was from LA. So nobody was around the area to like get us an apartment. So basically I went home and I dropped out of school because I had nowhere to live for the following year. And so when I dropped that, I thought I was, I was like considering going back to college, but I was on the phone with Darky and Darky was, I was like, nah, 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 nah. You just got to come live with me. You got to like not go to school. Like come live with me, come live with me. And he encouraged me to just not go back to school. So I applied to go to the Berkeley School of Music and I didn't get in there. And after that, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to not go to school. And luckily for me, I was able to start making enough money off my beats where like, so okay, I dropped out of school in June, 2018. And by January 2019, I was living off beats. Granted, when I say living, I was just getting by. I was paying like a thousand a month for rent. And so I would have like a few hundred a month to like buy food and shit. 
Is that when you were uh, staying at the um, the studio apartment you wanna, in Brooklyn? Uh, no, nah, I never. I never had a studio apartment. I, I was staying in a four bedroom. Oh, uh, my bad. We yeah, were in someone else's someone else's apartment when we popped in. I thought that was your apartment. Never mind. No, nah, that there, I was staying in a a four bedroom apartment in Crown Heights, and I had three roommates. We all had our own rooms. It, it was actually this was like kind of like the trade off. The neighborhood was considered the hood, and Crown Heights for sure is the hood. I loved the hood. Like I fuck with the hood. I loved being there. But so like I was paying a thousand a month to basically have like my own room. It was a very small room, but it had a private bathroom in it, and. uh you know, and that was the trade-off for being in the hood, quote unquote, even though I loved the neighborhood. But um, so I, I, when I got there, I was like, I was working as a real estate agent when I moved to Brooklyn for like four months. And I did that. And that's, that's how I got by initially. But then after four months of that, I was, you know, getting by off beats where I just stopped doing that. That's fucking interesting. You were a real estate agent? Yeah. <laughs> how do you get into that? I'm a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That's and fucking that, no, interesting. No bullshit. About that. That's actually the answer. That, that, that's no, not like, like, no, I know. That's why I didn't argue with you. I know. Yeah, no, that's not a joke. <laughs> no, I know. That's why I didn't argue. Fucking. Yeah. Damn, that's fucking interesting as hell. Fucking, so January 29, living off beats and, like, just getting by. Because, um, like, for me personally, I'm almost in that in that position of you know what I mean? Being able to be, I am hundred percent self-sufficient right now, but being able to do it off kind of like my musical stuff and like the podcast and shit. Yeah. How long was it before you started to get a little more comfortable? Because, you know, living, living by just on your own means and on something creative isn't like, it's, it's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I would, I would much rather sit here and struggle and grind you know what yeah. I mean? Than to work a job wholeheartedly. Yeah. Fucking. What was it? Did you um? Did you ever almost have to give up on that? Or um, there was times where I kind of like maybe thought about it like a little bit, but I'll say this: like when I when that first started happening, so this was January 2019. I stayed in Crown Heights until October that year. In that year, there was never a month where I made more than like two and a half K. So like I would stack some bread here and there, but then like I'd have to pay it on rent and shit. So that whole year, I really did just like get buy off beats. Then I moved to my current place I live at and I, my rent is less there. I pay a bit less money to live there. So I, I was, I started stacking it. Like basically like last year in my bank account, I would have had like, $300 in it in a given day, you know, like I, I was, I was a three figure person. Then I moved to the other neighborhood. I started getting some more money off beats and royalties and I was paying less rent, started making some more money. It, I didn't start making any kind of real money though off music really until like this year until like, like really ha ha, like changed it. Like I, I, I was started making like a thousand plus like off royalties for like, a, you know, some months leading up to like ha ha blowing up. But ha ha blowing up has been like the most beneficial thing for my pocket that's ever happened to me in my life. Damn. So that ha ha wreck. So like it, that, and my friend kind of pointed the kind of pointed this out to me one time. All it really takes is that one song. Yeah. No. It, so, ha ha changed my life. Like it's it's put me in a position that I've never, I did not think it was gonna happen this quick. Yeah. 
So I've only been making these for about three years. So I, I, and I thought when I started that I would be doing this here for like five years plus without even living off. And I thought I'd probably just, I, I always knew it was going to work. And I don't really know how I knew that. I just like did, but like, I never thought I was going to be this fast. So how, how were you, um, cause you said like, you're just barely making it by. How did you manage to push yourself through that? Like, how did, were you cutting corners on bills? What were you, you know, um, doing to like really you know, you push know, yourself through? It, it was, um, I, I did have to actually do a lot of things that like were not ideal. Like, well, I think the biggest way to save money is to accept uncomfortability. Like, like so we were just ex- talking about a little bit ago. Yeah. It's like, for example, like one of, like, this was a way that I, I would say, this is something that I would have to do to save money. So when I was living in Crown Heights, Dillinger lived an hour and a half north of me by subway he lived in queens like it's not like he was like he was still in new york city but just to get to where he was at it took a lot of fucking yeah time. in astoria i think that's yeah. where i pulled up to dillinger that's, yeah, that's where that's where he used to live at so like you know say i'm at dillinger's crib till like 2 a.m i could either crash there and go home the next day but if i had some shit ground i had to go i had to just accept fuck it i'm getting on this subway and i'm going to the hood and it's going to be an hour and a half of being on a subway full of crazy people. That's just what it was. Like, you know, I just had to accept that's just like, that's what I'm going to have to do to make this work. Shit like that, where it's like, or, you know, like, for example, like, I love sushi, my favorite food. I had to just accept, listen, you live in a city that's full of really good sushi. There's a really good sushi spot right down the street. You can't eat there. You're not allowed to eat there. You have to eat deli food. So it's I just did cheapest. that. Like, you had to like, you know, and it's like, I'm somebody that has like a kind of weak stomach. Like, and so like, you know, I accepted, fuck it. I'm going to have more nights where I'm just nauseous and uncomfortable. I'm just going to have to do that. Like you have to just like learn to get used to not being, to not getting what you want all the time. And that, that, that like, it, it was like hard at first, but once you kind of get into the groove of that, it becomes much easier. And you know, like I was always paying my rent. I never had, I was never late on bills. I've got a hell of a good credit score. Credit score is like 750 right That's now. That's hella important for everybody yeah, watching that. Make, oh, yeah. Not nah, a good credit sure, score. No, nah, credit score, hella good. I never missed any bills. I never, like, I never had to fuck worry about that so much. So I just, cause I also, I just knew that I needed a credit score because I was a real estate agent. So I, I had experience in person and that shit was important. So I never cut corners on bills, but I would always cut corners on transportation and on food. And, and, that, and that usually meant, like, you know, if I'm eating cup ramen for five nights in a row, that's what I'm going to do. And if I'm fucking, you know, taking the subway an hour and a half at 2 a.m to go home that's what i gotta do and new york is an expensive city but like you can find ways to get like for example this is the biggest way that i would cut corners in new york off food if you live in new york is what you do you gotta find where you can get a bacon and cheese three dollars you get a bacon and cheese for three dollars you get a banana a banana is like 50 cents that right there breakfast for 350 you can then get that later for dinner that's seven dollars total in that day and then for lunch get like a five dollar sandwich you're getting by like 12 bucks a day yeah new york for those of those who are watching are familiar the cost of living in new york is much more expensive than a lot of the, the oh yeah it's crazy the like, country like the room that i was living in was i'm thinking like, like the, the dimensions of it it was like seven feet long and like fucking like five feet wide it's a small ass room and uh, like I had enough room, I had my mattress on the floor and then I had like a little stool <laughs> and that was just my room. And, that's, and that was a thousand dollars a month. 
and that's like what goes back to us talking about making yourself uncomfortable when people are afraid to do that. I feel like the people who are most willing to grind it out, cut all the corners and be like, I'm doing this at all costs are the ones who are going to kind of have the most success with it. And again, everybody's, yeah. everybody's, you know, way into the industry is different. You could, you know what I mean? Be the exact opposite. You could be well off your whole life, some kid and just make a hit song and then be on and then be able to keep that going. Everybody's yeah. different. But for the majority of us, you're gonna have to make yourself uncomfortable, and you're gonna have to grind that shit out. In yeah, and it's and it's always worth it. It's always worth it. Like I, and because like I said, there was like maybe a few times where it's like maybe I should get a job, but those thoughts never lingered for that long. I'd think that for like ten minutes, be like ah fuck it, like it's it's worth it. It's definitely worth. It. So as a as a producer, a coming up producer. Um, and we don't have to talk exact numbers on money or whatever, because you know money's not really everything. Yeah. But what's what was more valuable coming up as a producer, beat sales or royalties? Like, what was you know more valuable asset well, for you? Well, uh, for a long time it was beat sales because royalties. I was not making any money off of royalties for most of my career. Like back when um, and in fact we you know in Spider Gang, it was even kind of set up where it's like there was a time where like me making the money, like right now in spider gang, nobody like really has like a, a job. It's like a real job anymore. We're all kind of like doing our thing now. Um, so, but that was, that's a new thing though. That's very new. So like last year, two years ago, I was one of the only people like back when I had made my money off beat sales where I was like living off it. I was one of the only people that was like doing that where I was making enough money off like my music to get by. Um, so basically like back then beat sales was everything. So back then, like, you know, for example, like for Darky to get by, he had to get money off of royalties. So me and him decided because I had a beat sales store that I wouldn't actually get royalties for our earliest songs. Cause he needed that more than I did. So like, that's, that's also where we cut corners. Like, you know, if you have your people that you're working with, figure out ways where heads can make money off one thing to kind of like get their shit together. If you yourself already has things together. Um, cause you don't want to let's say take money out of someone's pocket that you don't need as much as them. Yeah. So that was um, kind of a compromise you guys had to make. Yeah, and that, and so and basically, it's like for most of my career, beat sales was all I was making money off. I wasn't making royalty money, and then like there were some songs you know like that I would make royalty money off like here and there, like and or I'd make like you know like thirty bucks in a given month, and like after like four months, I'd get like a hundred dollars or whatever. But like so that wasn't really like that was something. Like a hundred bucks back then was substantial enough, but like that wasn't like my rent or anything. But in the last four months, five months, royalties all the way. Like now it is, I make, I, I make more money in one month off royalties than I'll make in like five months off selling beats now. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely a substantial jump. And I could see how like that would kind of push you into mostly just wanting to stick with working with Spider Gang artists. Yeah, and also like I just I like making money that way better. Making money off royalties as a producer, I find is a much better way to make like when you can get into that position where you can do that, you're gonna spare yourself a lot of bullshit by doing that. Cause like when you sell beats, you have to sell beats to people that you don't know. So like things could happen. Like you could you could have bad interactions, people can piss you off. Like my least favorite thing in the world was selling custom beats. I hate selling custom beats. I hate having to take someone's money and then making a beat that I don't want to make with it. 
It's like, I, I, I have to, cause like you gave me money and shit, but like, I'm not like, I would get so many requests from kids where it's like, can I have a little peep type beat? So now I'm, I have 75 extra dollars, but it's like, I don't want to make this fucking beat for you. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to make you some bullshit guitar beat that I, I, I know you're about to hit and it's going to be fucking ass. Like I'm like, I hate that. I hate the feeling of making music when I know it's not going to go anywhere. So like, personally, I prefer making money off, like, making money off royalties is way better because all the songs that I'm making money off of are songs that I wanted to make and I don't have to do any work. I just make the beat, the song gets made. And then a few months later, I just get the check. And that's way better than just like having to sell, having to deal with all these like little transactions and shit. And once you get up there and get able to do that, it's a much more sustainable source of income as well. Yeah, like you'll you'll make way more money like off one. And that's the thing. It's like 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 the ha ha beat. Like that ha ha beat, I made that beat in probably like a forty five minutes or whatever. Like back in I was in Long Beach when I made that beat. I was just sitting at like at a desk in Dory's apartment. Like that forty five minutes of work has made me more money than not only like every beat I've ever sold prior. But like any job I've ever had, like I, I've had jobs where I, I, I worked for a whole year and I didn't make as much money off that than I had about 45 minutes of work doing the ha ha beat. That is the fucking the beautiful thing about, you know, the business side of being a musician is like you do it like 45 minutes can change your life. Literally. Like and you it, wouldn't even know it at the time. Like at that time you made that beat, I, you, you know what I mean? You didn't you didn't know that it was going to change your life like it did. Yeah. No, it's like, like literally like, like I worked like when I was in high school, I, I worked every year of high school. Like I, I was a registered person at pizza spot. I was delivery driver and I worked two grocery stores. I did all those jobs like for like a year each. Literally I've like a whole year of my life of working at a restaurant made me less money than 45 minutes. In fact, if I really think about it, I probably made more money off haha than all four of those years combined. Like literally, like that, like that's how much that shit can change your life. That's if for for those who are sticking with us to this interview, take that as some fucking inspiration. A fucking if you make if you make music and you love it, that's the yeah. first thing. You love what you do and do this for the purpose. But you know, that's a lot of a lot of producers should, you know, be inspired by that. Like you guys could have beats on your computer right now that you don't even know. You, know you have what I mean? no idea. It could change like, your fucking life. Ha ha came out and it was out for like eight months and it didn't even like it was it was like almost a whole year went by and it didn't blow up. Like there can be songs you've already that are already out that like you don't even know. Like they they could just blow up. That's just also another beautiful thing about music is you creating something and you're putting something out that if you do it right is going to be source of revenue for you for the rest of your life the mm -hmm. more songs you put out the greater those royalty checks come and that's that's an investment that keeps going after you die you know what i mean yeah. so, so say you know what i mean you you have kids or whatever that's they're entitled to those royalties now yeah you know what i mean so music that's just the other beautiful side about the the business of music and really entertainment in itself like is it's something that 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 can help help you for the rest of your life. Like they're they're definitely almost bro every almost every fucking month like right now because I'm not gonna lie I'm not fucking rich at all. I'm you know what I mean grinding it out on this podcast and on these beats and fucking love it every second of it. But yeah, there have been times, bro, where the fucking that song that I did a year and a half ago, two years ago, 
you know what I mean? Looking at those royalty check statements from my distro, I'm like, damn, that song really helped edge me out this month as far as, you know what I mean? Making sure I have enough gas money and shit. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, you never know. You, you, you never know. You never know. But shit, man, fucking, this has been a real in-depth conversation. We've been talking for probably a little over two hours now. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> fucking, um. And, and the boys have arrived. Fucking. Hey, say hi, MK. Hello. Oh, what's good, bro? I've been hearing about what's you. Good? We've been talking about you a little bit. Oh, Meat man, the green good? man himself. What's good? I can't hear you. What'd you say, Black? Oh, he can't hear me. Oh, yeah, Black says, uh, fuck you, because Black is a sad boy, and he has problems. Uh, Anybody watching this yeah. shit? Fuck you too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, fucking um let me go do the we we can talk a little bit after this, but let me just do the cliche and the interview. Thank you guys for tuning yeah. in. This has been interview number forty. It's crazy. Forty fucking interviews. Thank you guys for allowing me to keep this shit going. Uh hit the subscribe button below. Follow us. Follow Wendigo at Wendigo Wendigo. So is that your first and your last name or like the same? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Wendigo Wendigo. That mm-hmm. fucking parents got mad creative with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, hit us on Instagram at KULT Classic Official. Hit us on Twitter at KULT Classic OFF. On TikTok at KULT Classic Official. And then on the website at KULT Classic Official.com. Grab yourself a hoodie, t-shirt, all that shit. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Peace.